Cool. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Seth Moyer to the podcast. Seth is the assistant coach at San Jose State University. He's also worked as an area scout for the Twins, has experience with USA Baseball, worked as the director of baseball operations for UCLA, and was a video scouting and player development intern with the Yankees. Seth, thank you for your time. How are you doing? Great. I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Thank you for coming on. All right, let's just hop right into the questions then. Um, so I see you've worked in a lot of different aspects of baseball. Uh, so like, what's your favorite, like coaching, uh, working in the front office, player development or scouting? Well, I think they're all great. I mean, I, I've been lucky enough to be able to work in baseball for a while. Um, I, I think that for me, the interaction with the players and coaching, um, okay. that for me, that's, that's kind of where I like to be, um, I feel like it's an environment where I still get to learn quite a bit and I still get to be around some smart guys and, you know, interact with the game uh, on a little bit more of an intimate level. And I, I really like that. Awesome. Yeah. So do you have like a role model in the baseball world? Like mine is kind of Matt Vaskersian because I want to like take his job. Uh, do you have some uh, like, that's the guy I want to do his job. Well, I, I think kind of my, you know, my mentor and someone that I've always looked up to is coach Savage at UCLA. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I have, you know, the most respect, uh, for him. And I, you know, I, I wish I could, you know, I'm working as hard as I can to be 10% of as good as he is. So, um, I, I, I think that for me, um, I, even going in there, I didn't, I didn't know how impressive he is as a coach and as a human being. And I, I think I left there thinking, man, I got a long way to go <laughs> five years. You know, I, I, I still have a long way to go. And, I think for me that that's the person that stands out the most. Well, I've I've met a ton of great people, but um, for me that's the one that stands out. That's awesome. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of great people in baseball because there's just so yeah. many jobs everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, what's the biggest piece of advice? Because now I know you're working at like the D1 baseball level that you would give to like a high schooler that wants to get there. Like, what's the biggest advice you give them? I would just say, you know, just like anything, I think, you know, you, you got to give yourself over to it. You got to work hard. Um, you got to be around good people. You know, you got to play good talent and you got to, you got to figure out what you're good at and you have to really focus on, you know, on your strengths and, and, and what it is that you have that nobody else has. And, and maybe something that you can develop into something special. And I think that everybody's got their own niche. You know, I, I think, you know, it goes beyond being a player, but I think as a player, as a young player, especially, I think the biggest thing is just learning yourself, figuring out what you can do, figuring out, uh, you know, how you operate, how you learn, how you communicate. Um, I think all of those things down the road turn into a player. Um, I, I don't, I don't know if I think, you know, just hard work on its own. I don't think really can accomplish a whole lot I think you have to learn you have to be open-minded and you have to be around you know people that are that are willing to give you their time and and you're willing to give yourself over to it completely I think that's kind of the magic ingredient is just really yeah. commit yeah that's awesome I definitely can relate to that because I played high school baseball and I also played every other sport I could play and yeah my, my niche in baseball was I could hit an up and in fastball and I'm a big guy. So it was like kind of special that I could like just turn on it whenever, like wherever it was. And if I would have stuck with baseball, I feel like that, like I could have probably played a, at a better school and, you know, 
it happens, but yeah. So I get, I get what you mean. Like finding your niche and sticking to that. Cause when he yeah. kind of overcomplicate it. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I, I like multi-sport athletes. I think it's great. I, I think, you know, I grew up in Wyoming where that's kind of your only option to stay entertained. <laughs> so, um, but I really think that all sports kind of give you that, um, that competitive nature and they teach you something about how to compete and they teach you how to, how to improve and how to get better, how to be a good teammate, you know, um, time management, all that stuff. Yeah. It teaches you a lot of very good things. So I like multi-sport athletes. Um, I was one, but I, I don't know if I was particularly good at anything, but I, <laughs> I, I think um, that, that that ability to, to, um, to compete and, and be a good teammate. I think, you know, those skills that are, that are taught by, sorry, uh, that are taught by other, you know, coaches, athletes, all that stuff. If you're surrounding yourself with that sort of environment, like you have no choice, but to, to get better. Exactly. And it's not, it's not just individual sports. I, I don't really love the individuality of sports and stuff okay. anymore. Too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so a lot of my audience is high schoolers that are trying to get to the next level. Um, uh -huh. You guys probably get a ton of like videos, like profiles sent to you, like, oh, look at this guy. What's like something that stands out in a profile, like like in a NCSA profile or like in a showcase video that they send? Like, what is the one thing that you guys, like as a coach, you'll see and you'll be like, like this guy has something special? Well, that's a very tough question. That is cause... a tough question, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I, I think that, you know, we're like, as coaches, we're, you know, we're on video a lot more than we ever have been. And I think that I would have to like dip back into my scouting experience because I did, I did a lot of video stuff for the twins. Um, but I, I don't think it gives you everything, but you know, I, I think the video that stands out to me is, is not necessarily the video where like every single pitch is the best pitch of of the at bat or every swing is the you know is exactly. like the, the 12 balls that he hit hard you know over the course of the year like I like full video I, I like to see what happens over the course of an at bat I like to see either from the pitcher or the hitter side I like to see how the player reacts I like to see strengths <laughs> and weaknesses to see if you know maybe there's something in there that they can improve that they don't even know about. But if I'm just getting like your best swing, 12 of your best yeah. swings and like, I mean, that's, that's fantastic too, but you know, it's nice to know like where the opportunity for growth might be. Okay. And in those videos, you, you get a better idea of like, Oh, he struggles with this, but you know, maybe he could be really good at it. And, and I see something that I think I can help him with. And together we might be able to overcome that. So I, I, I think I look at it um, from an opportunity standpoint a lot okay. of times. And it's, it's, it's nice to see where guys, you know, can improve. Yeah. I was going to say, because if you're peaking in high school, then college ball is probably not for you. So I completely get that. That makes sense. If you're peaking in college, then college ball is probably not for you. Yeah. You know, I, I think as, as a whole, I think the idea is that like, you never want to feel like you peaked. Mm -hmm. you, you always want to get better and um i've always really appreciate really appreciated the guys that you know call and ask questions like did you see anything in the video can like you know is there anything that i'm doing that that doesn't seem right and and i might not be like the perfect resource for it but at least i can like 
understand the way his brain works and, and how he wants his desire to get better. Um, exactly. I think scouting taught me quite a bit about, you know, the interaction with players in, in regards to just their process, you know, and um, it seemed to me like it was, a, a, you know, a, a very uh, common characteristic for guys that, that do end up making it to the major leagues or being successful. Like they, they all, know themselves really well they all ask really good questions because they are genuinely intrigued and they genuinely want to get better and they want the best version of themselves to come out yeah and i think that that's really what stood out to me is is none of the guys that you know i mean not i can't say none of them but most most guys that have really stood out to me personally have been guys that that don't feel like they are a finished product they they want to get better on their own the every day is a is a process to the next day and that that's baseball kind of in a nutshell it's it's pitch to pitch it's one pitch at a time and it's a it's an everyday sport you know exactly. i mean in the major leagues you're playing 162 of them so you know you have to have a short memory and you have to always want to get better do you have an example of like a guy a specific like intriguing person that you've worked with and like seen that growth and development in them or yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys, um, especially, I mean, when I was at UCLA, that's, it's, it's a special place. It really is. I mean, yeah. um, and there were a lot of guys there. Um, I mean, it, it was interesting because it was a culture that was created. Okay. But it, it wasn't just, it wasn't just, and it was maintained and manicured. So it was, it was this constant push from everybody to, to to just continue to grow and um i would say that some of the guys that stood out to me man there were so many good ones um i guess i would say that you know off the top of my head maybe a guy like adam plutko okay he's pitching for the indians now yeah um i bring him up because uh you know he passed up some money to come to college at ucla and then he didn't get drafted where he thought, you know, or where we all thought he might in the draft. He got drafted on day two. We all thought he'd go on day one. And um, he, he faced some adversity there because we were playing in the uh, Super Regional against Fullerton at the time. And he went out and he pitched unbelievably well and competed, even though, like, he had already known that it was a tough day for him. Yeah. And then he went to Omaha and he won the you know MVP of the college world series that year. And he just kept grinding and, mm -hmm. you know, he, he did really well in the minor leagues, but you know, he's up and down for a little bit, but he's in the big leagues and he's pitching now. And, you know, he still sends video and asks like, Hey, how's this look? Hey, do you like this? Yeah. And it, and it's just, it's interesting to me that he's grabbing so many opinions because he does want to get better. And I, I mean, I don't know if I have the best opinion in the world for him, but I know that he's reaching out to a lot of people to try to get better. And, and that to me stands out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was going to say Cleveland's one of those places where like, if you're a pitcher, you're going to develop. So he's in like a perfect situation as a pitcher and he's still getting all these opinions and he's still just consistently getting better. So that's kind of awesome. Yeah, it's great. I mean, he, he, he's a really good story. You know, I mean, he deserves all the success that he's had and that he's having right now. He that's deserves awesome. that. So 
Okay, I guess we're going to dip into scouting a little bit. Uh, when you were talking about, like, video and all that, what are your opinions on, like, like Moneyball, like that movie, like, eye test versus, like, statistical, like, you know what I mean? Like, what they're doing on the field, like, like where's the happy medium? Like, is there one or is one more valuable than the other? Like, Well, I think that, I think that we're, the world is trying to find that medium right now. Okay. Um, I, I, I think that for a little bit especially around the moneyball era and then you know even even to now i think just just continuing to just try to grab all of the information so buying advanced machines that could measure a lot of things was a big push to, to stay ahead of the game as far as as far as just the amount of data you were intaking and i think that the you know uh you know the the ratio of, uh, of static, uh, to noise. I, I just think that the, the true key to it is application. Okay. I think you can gather as much information as you want. Right. But I, mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day that there has to be some sort of filter to make it, you know, understandable to the people that are playing the game yeah. or applicable. And I, I think that, it's a tough medium because humans are humans. We're flawed. Mm -hmm. We just are. And, and I think that trying to calculate the human element is always going to be difficult because I don't, I, I, you know, I think we're unquantifiable in a lot of ways. So I, I think that the push to find the middle is going to be finding a language that everyone can speak. And, okay. and I, 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 I do believe that it's, it'll never be perfect. Right. But I, I think that, you know, a good coach or a good player development is is someone who can understand the information and coach someone into a better position rather than just give them data. Yeah, right? I, I don't think I don't think all the data in the world can help someone if they, if they can't read it. Exactly. So I think that there's going to be there is going to be something and there, there are going to be teams that are ahead of the curve always. But. Um, you know, I think at this point, it's not an arms race for just information. Yeah. I think we have enough information. <laughs> I think it's an, ar an arms race for application of information. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Because like one of the big examples you look at like this last postseason in baseball, obviously the big one was the Rays in the World Series. Like that was just kind of yeah. an unfortunate way that happened. But one of the games I go back to, I'm like, Dusty Baker should have pulled Zach Granke four or five times in, I think it was game one against our game three against the Rays that they ended up winning. And he uh -huh. loved the bases and Zach Granke's just one of those guys where he like, there's no stats for Zach Granke. Like, like the numbers don't matter. If he wants to get somebody out, he's going to find a way to get him out. And you know, like other organizations wouldn't have looked at it that way, but because Dusty Baker's old school, he left him in and he got out of it. So I see what you're saying. There is like a, like you can't go too far on that side, but you also go, can't go too far on the fact that like you're pulling a starter that's throwing a gem in the world series. So fair enough. It's going to, it's all about application. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that just feel understanding, you know, people understanding what motivates them, understanding where they're at and their drive. And, you know, for pitchers, it's very rare that you have all of your pitches working on the same day. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I think that the ability to recognize it, like, you know, 
you can talk about a guy's third time through a lineup and how he's been unsuccessful, but really if he hasn't faced the lineup for a third time, you're talking about numbers that are you know, obviously weighted on, on very few, exactly. very few integers. I, I like it. And so for me, I, I think that, that being able, like you, you have to have relationships with players. You have to have an idea of where they're at and what they're going to tell you when they're not good, what they're going to tell you when they are going good. <laughs> so that you can trust them and that feedback. And I really think that that's kind of something that's gone away because of, of, of the, of the push for, for numbers and analytics. Mm-hmm. I think that, that a lot of, in a lot of ways, relationships are the things that are missing. <laughs> um, I really do. And I know that sounds so like basic and fundamental, but I think that in order to really understand someone, you have to, you have to care. And, and I think that, you know, that, that takes place, you know, in the trenches and that takes place off the field and that takes place, you know, late night phone calls that takes place when someone's struggling or going through something and just being there and, and you get a feel for what a person's capable of and they might not even know what they're capable of. Right. Like, yeah, but that's, that's the only way to do it is, is having that, that actual desire to want to help that person. I, I think that that's probably for me, you know, even in the sports psychology world right now, it's going to, you know, behavioral economics and we're still trying to quantify risk and reward. And it, it in a lot of ways in, in a situation like that where you, you can't simulate a playoff game. Yeah. You, you can't simulate the feeling of a playoff game. It doesn't matter how, how loud you turn the volume up <laughs> during a bullpen. Like you just can't. Same. Yeah. Yeah. So like when, when there's that much weighted on a moment, I think so much of that depends on, on your feel for another human being. And, and it may be basic, but I think that's probably one of the, one of the most key, comp- probably is the key component to, to any relationship or getting good at anything or just being a part of a team in general. And so this is going back to my like personal experience not really my experience but I'm a, I'm a huge Cubs fan I'm from Chicago so going into game seven you looked at who we had available and it was Kyle Hendricks that's a guy that feels nothing like everything like he treated game seven like it was game one out of 162 opening day and like his demeanor and everything was just normal and you really can't like there's not a statistic for that so I, I completely understand what you're saying like Joe Madden understood him as a person and how he is like, he, like, it didn't matter to him. He was going to go out and be the same guy regardless. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's a lot of their personal relationship showing there. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So what are your thoughts on like unwritten rules? So like that kind of blew up last year. I like, you know, you've been, you've been in those places. Like, are there unwritten rules? Yeah, I think there are. I think some of them are outdated, but I, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of depends on, on <laughs> which ones I think, but, um, yeah, there are, there's ethics, right. There's respect. You know, I, I think at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. And I think that respecting your opponent does not mean that you're, you're, you're not being competitive. I think you have to respect your opponent to be good. Exactly. I think you, you need that. And so I, I, I think there's a lot of instances where it gets out of hand, where, maybe on either, either side. I just, I think that at the end of the day, um, the unwritten rules are there just 
because it's it's a sign of respect. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. like part of me understands like yeah, don't stare at like like the Tatis incident. Like that was the big one last year. Like don't stare at your home run when you're up eight runs. But at the same time, like he's like he's 22. Like he, you know what I mean? He's just they're telling him not to hit a home run. Like I don't understand like how you can tell a guy to not try. And I feel like that's yeah. kind of what they were trying to tell him to do. I feel like that that scenario was was odd in a lot of ways. I mean, to to be upset when when you went down to a hitter or you went three zero. I mean, like these guys are these guys are trying to make a life for themselves. I mean, and I understand he's a superstar, right? Yeah. I don't think it would have been blown out of proportion if a guy just got called up and did it. Mm-hmm. I don't. Think it would be blown out of proportion if. You know, a, a guy that hits four home runs a year did it. But I think because he's a superstar and he has that capability to hit a home run, that okay. it was blown up. But I, I think, you know, if, if your livelihood is dependent in large part on your statistics, I don't see a problem with that. Yeah. And if the pitcher had a problem with it, then he shouldn't have, he shouldn't have been down 3-0. Exactly. Right. And, and I, you know, tr- truthfully, I, I felt like it was a little disrespectful from the manager at the end of the game, not to stand up for his player, mm-hmm. because I think that's your job. That's your family. Yeah. But um, I, I don't I didn't see a problem with that. I, I, you know, it at the end of the day, Tatis's numbers are what's going to get him a contract. It's going to yeah. allow him to continue to play baseball at the major league level. No matter how talented he is, he has to do it. And yeah. so. I don't see a problem with that. Well, and that's another thing, like, analytics can't quantify. Like, a guy like Nick Markakis, who's super old school, like, he's super respectful. If he doesn't swing in that count, that hurts his, like, analytical numbers because, say, he would have hit a home run. So, yeah, I guess you're right. A lot of it is, like, just understanding the player, too, like the application of the player. Yep, I think so. All right, so this is the last question I have for you. Uh, And this is, like, my go-to question anytime I talk to someone. I said, what do you think is more beneficial – Knowing what pitch is coming or steroid use for a hitter? Knowing what pitch is coming. Okay. That's, that's, that's the, the common answer I've gotten. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, I mean, I, I don't know the extent of that, so I can't really speak <laughs> exactly. on, on it, but I do know that um, any player who knows what pitch is coming is a lot better. Yeah. I don't think any guy that takes steroids automatically gets good at baseball. <laughs> like, I, I just don't. I mean, I agree. there's probably a ton of guys that take them that just never pan out. Correct. I mean, I could take as many as I want and I'd still be a coach. <laughs> so, um, I, 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 you know, I, I think that, that there's a, there's a direct advantage to knowing what's coming, especially with this stuff in major league baseball right now. I mean, just every guy throws hard. And every guy has a good breaking ball. I mean, you, everybody. So your reaction time is so minimal. Yeah. Um, I think in a lot of ways, Major League Baseball has gone to like basically guessing pitches because it's just such a short reaction time. Exactly. Um, I mean, you know, maybe the, the best of the best don't ever have to. I don't know. But um, if you don't have to guess, that's that's a nice convenience. I, I guess. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. And I. Yeah. I hope you have a great one. All right. Hope you guys, you guys have all a right. good season. Hey, thanks. I hope we get to play. <laughs> so, <laughs> Fingers crossed. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for letting me do this. I appreciate it, Matthew. Take care, man. Have a good one.